Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sisters Web with me, Tabitha Webb, and my totally terrifying and completely bonkers sister, Maren Why Somerset Why do you keep Webb. saying that about me? Which bit? <laughs> bonkers and terrifying. No, I've never called you bonkers before. That's a new addition. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Okay, my very, very clever sister, Maren Somerset well, Webb. You know, my readers don't think I'm bonkers. They think I'm charming. Okay, my very charming and very, very clever sister, Maren Somerset Webb. Today, we are utterly delighted to have Matt Gibbard as our guest, although he's probably massively regretting that already. Terrified, yeah. Absolutely petrified. Um, He started his career as a writer in design and architecture and then became, he says, an accidental estate agent, which, by the way, I'm thrilled about because Merrin asked me only last week whether I knew any estate agents. And now I can say that I do. <laughs> you know a lot of estate agents, just none this high powered. <laughs> he launched The Modern House with his business partner, Albert, in 2005. And GQ now say he's one of the best things in the world, and Esquire say you rewrote the rule book on estate agency. So, Jesus, Matt, you're a virtual living legend. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm one of the best things in the world, but perhaps the modern house is, you know, somewhere down the list at a thousand or something like that. But thank you. Very, very kind of you. I mean, that's a pretty major accolade, though, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. We, it never ceases to amaze me, actually, how many people seem to know about the modern house and the affection in which it's held. I think it's very humbling, you know. So when, when you say you're an estate agent to people, are you immediately judged until you get them to the next level of what that actually is? Yeah, there's, yeah totally. There's, there's, there's quite a regular conversation I have, and it goes something like this. People say, what do you do? And I say, well, I, I own an estate agency. And at that point, it can go one of two ways. Either they just sort of turn away and, you know, admire the scenery or, yeah. <laughs> or, they, or they'll ask the next question, which is, oh, right, what's it called? And then again, that can go either of two ways. I can either say the modern house and again, they glaze over or yeah. actually quite a few people these days incredibly effusively say something like, oh, wow, my aunt bought her flat through you. I'm on your website every day. It's the homepage of my browser. I'm completely obsessed with it. And that is honestly such an amazing thing to hear. And it does seem to just strike a chord with people. And I think it's because it's traditional house porn that everyone loves. A bit like we used to open the pages of Country Life, all of us, and fawn over all the rectories there. Yeah. It's a bit, like, a bit like that. But I think also there's something about having a price tag attached to these houses that it's a bit salacious and a bit exciting somehow and you kind of reimagine your life and think oh we could almost afford to you know have that place in Cornwall or whatever it might be so I think that's what it is it's it's the imagination of a different life that people like about it. Matt isn't the first thing that people ask you when you say you're an estate agent uh, not what it's called but how much do you think my house is worth? <laughs> <laughs> Rarely do I get asked that but it's it's funny actually because Valuing a house, I think agents would like to tell you that it's uh, an incredibly complex set of processes. But but really, it's about a combination of, you know, your own previous sales, quite a lot of instinct. And of course, you know, some science based on the size of the house itself and of course the plot. But really, a house is worth, you know, as the old adage goes, what someone's prepared to pay for it. And, and I think that never, never is that more true than when it's an individual house, the kind of thing that we sell. Frankly, the, the, the price of it is always dictated by the market. So we, we tend to put a guide on it and let the market take it where it needs to go. The most important thing clearly is to show it to the right people who are going to understand it and appreciate it for what it is. 
so the price of a house is, is as ever all about who the buyer is and how much money the buyer has. It's got nothing to do with anything else. Buying a house is a hugely emotional decision. So I think, you know, you, when you walk through that door, well, in fact, before you walk through the door, I think I'm a great believer in the power of marketing. So I think certainly you need to have a connection to the to the photographs that you see. Sometimes a single photograph, the lead image where you think, mm. wow, that's my new life. And you can't get that out of your head. And then you go on the viewing and it's it's kind of it's it sort of backs up that initial vision and you need to go to sleep that night and you need to dream about it and think about it and it needs to get its talons into you and not let go that's that's what i think buying a house is about that's interesting when we bought our house the house we live in at the moment the street we live on at the moment was the only street in edinburgh that i told our buyer i wouldn't look at <laughs> he, he dragged me here one day he dragged me here saying i know you hate the street but i really really want you to look at this house and he very cleverly marched me straight through the house and out into the garden and we'd bought it by noon that day i do remember that yeah, yeah. i remember how desperate you were for it but I, I mean you've kind of brought the whole editorial eye to real estate haven't you though i mean you've made mm. it all look so beautiful i mean it's instagram porn for people and you're making us buy into a lifestyle that most of us probably can't afford but <laughs> we would really love to be able to afford <laughs> yeah i think that's right i mean it, you know the reason for that is that I have a background in magazines, so I used to work at the World of Interiors for many years. Albert Hill, my business partner, was at Wallpaper magazine. And we did it, we, I suppose we set the company up in the way that we knew, which was to, you know, use our friends who are photographers to shoot the houses, to do some historical research, go to the library, find out more about the architect, to give it a, a provenance, if you like, as a bit more mm -hmm. of an art market approach. And we just feel like, it's everybody's biggest financial asset. You have to represent it in the right way. And then I suppose beyond the sales listing, we spend just a huge amount of time trying to inspire people. And our agenda is that we think that a well-designed home can add a huge amount of value to your life and support you and, you know, improve your well-being and your health. So I think, you know, our, our journal on our website and our Instagram account and our YouTube channel and things like that, they're all about inspiring people you know, outside of the idea of a transaction, because ultimately we make our money from sales, but we're very interested and excited by good design and architecture. That's what gets us going. So we want to share that with people. But, but how much is the way we all live now going to change, do you think, after the pandemic? Are we just going to see this massive change in the way we all want to use our houses and everyone working from home? I mean, I've even been reading about all these really wealthy people who now want their own hospital at home, which, because I have health anxiety, <laughs> really really appeals to me i'm just wondering where i could put it hang on Jeff, what are you talking about your own hospital does that mean you need your own doctor and your own nurse as well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no people on 24 7 call that would appease me so much i would feel so great about that don't you wish you'd married a doctor what <laughs> but obviously there's going to be a massive change now in the way that everyone lives and and have you seen that already and what people are looking for and very much so in terms of the number of inquiries we're getting it, it's gone completely potty i have to say is it I mean, the, 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 obviously, the traditional spring market is, is the strongest one of the year. Spring and autumn are the times when, when everything happens in the property market. And, of course, we, you know, there's been a lid on that this year. So, basically, the lid has been taken off the top of the bottle and suddenly everybody's trying to get stuff done. Uh, and I think there's nothing like a lockdown to help you reassess your home environment. Uh, and I think there's been a collective change of mindset. I think people are taking the view that life is for living and it's for today and we need to just get on with it. So I think 
I think all of us identify with the idea of having a connection to nature a bit more. Yeah. And and the idea of having a bit of space around us, I think all of us ultimately want that, don't we? And and taking risk, you know, I'm always saying this at the moment, or keep saying to Meryn, you know, that everyone, hopefully after lockdown, Meryn disagrees with me, actually, she thinks people won't be taking as many risks. But I hope that people come out the other side and go, Jesus, life is actually really short. We've got to grab it, take a risk, go and do all that stuff that we always wanted to do and not just go back to how life was. I, I completely agree with that. I think they will take more risks and we're seeing that already. I mean, there are certain houses that we've had on the market for a little while pre-lockdown. And I'm talking about the top end of the market here. Post-lockdown, they're, they're, they're all suddenly selling and some of them are selling at sealed bids. You know, it, it, it's, really? it's, it's definitely a time where people have been watching the market, talking amongst themselves. The weather's been incredible. And I think that now is the time for action. I think people are bored of sitting around. I, I, there's nothing like cooping people up to get them into action. So I, I agree with you. I think it's a risk-taking period. That's how I see it. Well, I, I definitely agree with you short term. I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer, as Tabitha and I discuss on this podcast a lot, I'm a believer that the recovery will be much more V-shaped than most people think, because it's one of the rare yeah. occasions when you can use the phrase pent-up demand honestly. You know, people often talk about pent-up demand in the housing market and this market and that market, but none of it's true. There's no such thing. Um, if people are able to buy, they buy. There is no pent-up demand. It's based on prices and, and financial ability, etc. But in this occasion, because we've had the entire economy physically actually shut down we do have pent-up demand because we have people who want stuff and can afford it mm. um waiting and waiting and waiting so as you say the top comes off the bottle and out comes the pent-up demand so you get this period where it looks like things might change in a more long-term way but it really is just that it's pent-up demand coming out of the bottle and then it settles down and this idea that mm. everybody will change long term I, I think is very wrong i think people will settle down and go back to their normal lives and once you get caught up in the cycle of work and school and laundry and housework and busyness and appointments etc etc everyone will forget this idea that they've had for this this short period that life is for grabbing and living at every point because of course we still have to live for the long term and all the people who've moved from the city to the country, bought the wonderful houses that you're selling, and they're not so wonderful houses that other people are selling on the back of a gorgeous, gorgeous spring. I tell you what, after their first winter stuck 10 miles from the nearest um, sourdough bread shop, <laughs> yeah. are they going to stay as they wade through mud to get out to their land cruiser every morning? I don't know. There may be a rush back to the city next January. Yeah, I don't think there'll necessarily be a flood of, of people coming out of the city. I think take take London as the biggest city. It, it's always going to have a huge appeal. I mean, as you say, there's the cultural opportunities, there's the restaurants, there's the transport, there's the, the airports. So, of course, that is never going to happen, I, I don't think. But at the same time, I do think that if we can work more flexibly, what and we don't need to be in the office every day, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies are looking at that now, then I, I do think that frees people up a bit more. So it, it does make logical sense to me that, especially a younger generation, will 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 start thinking, hmm, I can get a little bit more for my money out in Margate, wherever it might be. You know, the, the train's not bad, let's do it. You know, mm. we, we don't have to be in every day. Um, and I could see that happening. Yeah, I can too. 
I mean, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Gav, you know, he, my husband, he's been going into work five days a week, obviously, pre-lockdown. And now, you know, his bosses had always said, no, 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 you've got to go in five days a week. It's the only way it works. Now, suddenly, actually, everyone's going, OK, well, this could work. You can go in two to three days a week. And that, for us, would be really life-changing. He could help with yeah. the school runs for a start. <laughs> that, yeah. that would be yeah. absolutely brilliant. <laughs> that's not going to happen, Tabitha. You know that's not going to happen. I know that's never going to happen. And I'm going to go back to being absolutely exhausted. And he's going to go back to going to, to work five days a week once he realises that staying at home means doing a school run. <laughs> it means that actually it's absolutely horrific. I mean, I think you're right. You know, I do think that we'll come out of this and a lot of us are going to want to make immediate change. But then you do sink back into your old ways. Uh, that makes me really, really sad. I really don't want people to do that. I'm, I might even start a campaign. I want everyone to remember that you're only here once and you've just got to take advantage of it. Yeah, but have a look at it like this. Remember okay, all the good intentions go. that no, 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 no. All the good intentions that we all had at the beginning of lockdown, right? So oh, yeah, I was you know, going to get this. Thin. This started. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so you know, I was going to tidy my house. I was well, going to tidy my gonna house, happen. and I was going to go through the basement, and I was going to tidy the laundry room, and I was going to hang up the pictures, and and all that kind of stuff, and I was going to uh, teach the children to to play bridge instead of poker, and I was going to, you know, all that kind of thing, and and we were all going to learn to speak French properly as opposed to just you know jokey French, and all those good intentions, you know, they were gone in in, in ten days. I tidied one shelf in the laundry room. So boring. Um, and it's the same this time, right? Everyone comes out of this such good intentions, but good intentions don't last very long. Life takes over. Can I tell you something about your clutter? Matt, you're a complete clutterphobe, aren't you? To an extent, but I, I am the, well, I am the person that when you open the cupboard, everything falls out. But as long as it's in the cupboard, I'm okay. I, I mean, my wife, Faye, who you know, is much more of a clutterphobe than I am even. So frankly, I don't have the chance to tidy up because it's already gone. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. so, so she's the person. She she actually, I've, I caught her the other day using a Sharpie to label the tops of all the tins. So now if you open the cupboard in our kitchen, what, what looks like a baked bean tin now is confirmed with the writing baked beans on the top of it. <laughs> and quite what this achieves, I'm not sure. Um, but it makes her happy. So there you go. Oh. I do that on jars. It's just that we often find that the stuff in the jar is not the same as the stuff written on top. See, I don't know why I'd ever eat anything out of a jar in your house, Marin, just in case. <laughs> you know, who knows? That kind of as you haven't been to my house for eight years, I'm not really sure that this, this... <laughs> this is the conversation to have. As far as Tabitha's concerned, Scotland is basically out of space. <laughs> it could be Timbuktu. I mean, I, I have to tell you, Marin, the first time that Matt and Faye came to my house and you know I I love colour and print and uh, nothing really matches and Matt I swear to god I think the first time you walked in the door the <laughs> horror on your face because I you live in a very minimalist clutter-free world and everything about my world and Marin's actually is very print colour and cluttered and I did think afterwards Gav said to me god I think he must have absolutely horrified them does print and clutter and colour like that horrify you? Oh, horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I can't tell you what we said after we left. I really can't. I'm surprised I'm even on this podcast. Oh my there. God, me too. Yeah. No, no, of course. I mean, look, look, I mean, Faye and I, Faye and I met at Condé Nast at the World of Interiors mag. Yeah. And that magazine gave us both such a broad aesthetic grounding, I think, because the whole point of the magazine is it, is it treats a humble shed with the same reverence as it does some big palazzo somewhere. 
I think really we've 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 both learned to appreciate a very very wide range of of stuff, and I, so so not not at all. I can hugely appreciate pattern and color and texture, and maybe our next place will be hugely colored. I mean, our, we had a Georgian house in London a number of years ago, um, a little Georgian terraced house in Canterbury, which was all painted inky blues and aubergines, and it was you know lots of gloss paint, and it was really beautiful. It was kind of Vermeer like. And it's kind yeah. of how, how the building wanted to be. So I always think that you have to you have to go with what you like yourself stylistically and what you're comfortable with living with, but also how the building wants to be as well. And I I think when it comes to colour, we all grow up with our own colouring and our own skin tone and our you know wearing clothes that we feel suit us. So I, I look horrific in orange or red or something like that because I've got fair freckled skin. So when it comes to interiors, it, it, the same thing follows through. I'm quite comfortable in a blue room, but yeah. not so not so comfortable in a in a warm one. I love that. So you need to match your walls. You need to match your walls. There you go. <laughs> I, I bet you do as well, don't you? I bet you do. Have you got have you got chevron walls? Any chevron? Do you know what? I actually sampled some chevron wallpaper yesterday, just, just in case. Go, and, and if you could oh, see the God. meltdown I was having on trying to, Erin. <laughs> If you could see the meltdown I was having on trying to come up with a colour for my sitting room, um, really, that that is really pretty much dominating my life <laughs> at the moment. Um, but there, by the way, Faye really wants a pink kitchen. Oh, she does. She, yeah, she actually, yeah, she does. Yeah. Do modern house trends change? You know, I, I don't really know much about the modern house market. Do the trends change or does a modern house stay a modern house? Does that make sense? No. It well, does to me in my mind. I think can I can I change the question for you? Yes. Okay. What are the what are the parameters for a modern house? How do we define a modern yeah. house house in the context of the kind of thing that you take on? Because obviously a Barrett home or a new development is a modern house, but it's not going to be on your website, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very good question, and it's the one we get asked a lot, and unfortunately doesn't have a straightforward answer. But the way that it works is that Effectively, we use our own judgment internally and we have a, a panel of four people internally that look at the photographs for every submission that we get for evaluation and essentially decide whether we think it's right for our buying audience or not. And really, that's based on, you know, frankly, the, the, the aesthetic value of it more than anything. So we don't discriminate on when it comes to price. We don't, you know, we, we, we sell all over the country. But but the way the way that our filter works is it comes down to design quality. So in the end, we 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 take on around about 50 percent of the work that comes our way, which is in some ways a bit of a controversial business model, but it served us well, I think, because we have to have a point of view and a filter. So where it started out being quite purist, modernist stuff from 30s and, you know, up to the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And then it quite quickly morphed into things like span houses, which are little family starter homes on estates um, built in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And it might be a flat in a brutalist block like Trellick Tower or something like that. And nowadays it's, it's, it's much broader. So it's really anything that's had some sort of intervention by a designer or an artist or, or just someone that's creatively minded and we sell. So a brilliant yeah. barn conversion put up, you know, done yeah, yeah, three yeah. weeks ago could count. There's Definitely. no there's no hard and fast date limits on either end. No, but factories, schools, barns, yeah, old houses with interventions, absolutely all sorts of things. But really it comes down to 
it's that editorial approach again. If mm. if we think about our website as a magazine, in a way, do, you know, do we think that that house or flat sits well within the context of that magazine? That's how we look at it. Have you ever taken on anything from a new build estate? Yeah, so we sold quite a few new builds over the years as well. And there are some very good, enlightened developers doing really, really good things with great architects. So definitely, uh -huh. yeah, we do quite often. But give me, can you give me some examples? One of my bugbears is the appalling quality of new build housing, <laughs> um, which you look around you and see these estates popping up everywhere with, you know, really miserable, low quality, identikit housing, which I think is an incredibly cruel way to try and force people to live. Some people like that, Meryn. Uh, maybe they do, but I, 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 I think maybe it comes down to lack of choice. I don't, I don't think that people do like to live like that. People just want to own a home. They want to own somewhere of that belongs to them. And a lot of people have a slight bias to wanting to buy things that are new rather than things that are being lived in by other people, and and that's fine too. But you know, their choices are very limited. The developers, in the main put up very, very low quality housing. You only have to look at the, you know, the complaints <laughs> for starters of people who buy these places. The quality is appalling. The space is bad. The windows are, you know, the small window thing is just weird. Uh, gardens tiny, the proportions all out, etc. You know, there, there is no arguing with the fact that most new built housing in the UK is incredibly badly designed or lazily designed, shall we say, and yeah. low quality. And so, you know, when, when you come across developers who are trying to create reasonably low cost mass, mass housing on, uh, you know, a particular estate that, that is high quality and interesting, it's unusual and exciting. Yeah, I completely agree that unfortunately it's the exception rather than the norm to find well-designed new housing. Uh, it's hugely depressing. I agree with you. It's, it's, it's because of value engineering. You know, mm -hmm. they, try, they try and fit in as many units to a volume as they can. And that means low ceilings and it means boxy rooms and it means usually pretty mean openings as well, not much in the way of windows. Mm. There are, as I say, a number of developers that are doing it a much better way. And I think the good news is that there are, I mean, as I suppose the modern house offers an outlet for them. So, you know, yes. we have a marketplace for design led housing. And I think the message we're always trying to push to house builders is, if you build it right, we can sell it because there's an audience there. So that's what we're always trying to push out. Yeah, and I do see encouraging trends. You know, lots of discussion about one of one of the uh, my favourite charts, which I will send to you, Matt, if you're interested, is one of the uh, productivity gains in in all sectors in the UK over the last kind of 30, 40 years. And while we have a pro productivity problem in the UK, almost all sectors show you know mega productivity gains. But the one that doesn't is construction. You know, we right. still build houses in the UK uh, with men climbing up, climbing up onto roofs with belts with hammers hanging off them, you know, whereas other countries. But they're so sexy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Not around here, honey. Oh, come down to Hampshire, baby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I, I find very interesting, for example, the trend towards trying to intervene with modular housing, for example. So LNG are doing this very well. Uh, creating modular housing factories so they can improve productivity and improve build quality and improve build speed and all that kind of thing. So I, I, I remain hopeful that some developers are going to put up good stuff in this area. Yeah, I mean, on, on that front, um, there's, a, there's a fantastic small company called, um, um, called Cube House. And mm, I know they, them, yeah. Do you know them? Yeah, so Tabs, I'm sure, sure you'll be aware of Roxandra Lynchich, the yeah. um, fashion designer. Yeah. So her, her husband, Philip de Mesquita, um, has this brilliant company. And what they've done is they've got together a few well-chosen architects and designers to 
create really beautiful little kit houses and they and they can be expanded or contracted depending on the size of the site but what what happens is they basically marry together a potential buyer with a plot of land and one of these houses and they build it out for them and it's a really really good scheme and we we've got quite a few of them on our website but they're i, th I think that it's, it's a really enlightened way of doing it so that it shows that, that you know off the peg houses can be really of a very high standard oh well absolutely and if you go and i don't know if you ever go to any of the scottish islands you've got shetland or orkney or anything like that and you'll see amazing kit houses um yeah. you know they may not be of the, of the kind of style that that possibly you would like but you know very scandinavian look uh wooden walls etc sort of i'm sure you know exactly what i mean those yeah. different colored yeah. uh, kit houses and they're gorgeous uh, they gorgeous are. to look at really nice to live in um and i'm always interested in why those kit houses haven't sort of made their way further down the country i agree there should be a lot more of them there's there's a strange quirk in the planning system where the, the caravan act allows you to put up um, a sort of you know non-permanent structure on mm. certain bits of land quite a few people have done that um, but but you know ultimately if, if if you're building a small shed or an enormous mansion there's no reason why it shouldn't be thoughtfully designed that's what I think that's the main thing God, I'm starting to get completely panicked about my house. I need to get you around again. I know. <laughs> don't go to our house. Don't go to our house. Don't go to, my house. don't go to my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, Matt, you were really early to the online estate agency trend. I mean, you yeah. you know, such foresight. I mean, obviously, and at that time, a massive risk. So you're so clever. Well done. And um, I mean, you took a big risk. It's really paid off. So is there anything you'll do differently? And what next? Where do you want to take the company? Because I feel like you're building a whole... Hmm brand aren't you with the magazine podcast yeah your online experiences yeah absolutely so uh, the good news is we think that the modern house uh, in terms of its market has a long way to go because because ultimately the, the the word is out there that a home is an important thing and i think people are paying more attention to it than they ever have done and people are around the country at all times creating really really beautiful living spaces so that ultimately expands our market exponentially all the time. So we just want to continue putting the word out there that good design adds value to your life and is a good thing. And, and we, we will do that through all of our various marketing channels. Um, but, but also, you know, I'm sure there'll be some diversification in there as well. Um, we're looking at various ideas at the moment. And, you know, let's, let's just say it doesn't always always have to be pure minimal stuff we're doing more and more of these period houses with great interiors and trying to represent the full spectrum of potential clients out there who have who have an eye for design and who, who are persuaded by things that are aesthetically beautiful i mean why don't you add a couple of um fashion brands to your your business you know because Obviously, I've got one. Your wife has one. You could take those in house, and you know, kind of expand free shirt with every way. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. exactly. I'll design a wallpaper for every house you get. That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're on. Okay, brilliant. Um, before you go, my last, I see that you did reviews for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which I feel really jealous about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you still do that? Do you just get free little holidays going to review oh, for Mr. That, and Mrs. Smith? That, that was that was our old life tabs. Oh, before the twins. Children. Oh. Well, it was our old life. No, that that was amazing. We, I mean, we was very, very fortunate to be um, dispatched to Sri Lanka and then on oh, to the Maldives. Wow. Oh. Um, and it's 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 fantastic. It's it's really fun because you the 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 hotel that you're reviewing has no idea that you're coming, 
yeah. and it gets flipped under a pseudonym. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a genuine experience that you have. Um, it, it's it's the hotel as it as it is and as it should be. And yeah. um, and and you you know you you really live it for, for what it is and and frankly have a great time. So um, favorite hotel in the world? Ooh, no, that's a tricky one, isn't it? I, I tell you what, the, the Post Ranch in in California on Big Sur is pretty amazing. Oh my god, I'm writing that down. I have to go immediately because that's where I want to live. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's, it's up on the cliffs and it's got it's 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 quite sort of Frank Lloyd Wright inspired. It's got little kind of tree houses that you can stay in. Um, wow, it's it's a, it's a it's a lovely lovely place. I mean, yeah, there are there are so there are so many good places to stay, but that's one of them. You're amazing. Thanks for coming on, Matt, and sitting with me and my my amazing sister. Hear that, Matt? I'm proud of I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for the lack of swearing. I have to say, I'm quite impressed. I I haven't have I not sworn today? I think it's been good. I think you've done well. <laughs> I'm really growing up. You are, you are. <laughs> I'm sorry if I disappointed you. Um, <laughs> I could swear now if that would help. Oh, what? Fuck, like go on, that. Go on. Fuck! Go on. It's been an amazing fucking podcast! I think you need a rebrand. You need a rebrand, you guys. I think, you know, you could, you, I don't know, you could call it like fashion, finance, and fuck or something like that. She'd like that. She would <laughs> like that. I would love that. I would love that. Anyway, look, it's all over once the book's out, isn't it, Mez? We haven't spoken about my book today. We talk about that all the time. Yeah, Four weeks to go. Yep. Yeah, congrats, <laughs> on the, congrats on the book. That's very exciting. Thanks, Matt. That's really all I wanted you to say. It's fine. We can move on now. That's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You're amazing. Thanks, Modern House is amazing. Um, we love it to add to our list of porn that we look at. Um, and thank porn. you to everyone. What? You don't look <laughs> at porn? No, 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 not in Scotland. They don't do that there. Um, it's been absolutely lovely to have you on as our guest, and we look forward to seeing you all again next week. Thank you. Thanks and so goodbye. Much. All the best. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, Matt. Bye. 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 Bye.